You're listening to an episode of the Elephant in the Room podcast brought to you by the Purpose Room in partnership with the India Justice Report. Each month, we will bring to you insights on the workings of the Indian justice system. We will also explore the notion of justice and what it means to Indians. My guests on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week are Professor Murli Karnam, a research scholar on prison reforms and penology, and Mr. Somesh Goyal, former Director General Himachal Police and former Director General of Prisons. Thank you, Mr. Goyal, Professor Karnam, Maya and Balay for making time to be here today for the third in our series on prisons where today we are talking about strengthening prison administration so thank you very much for making time today and we'll get started with the questions right away so considering the background that we've spoken about how are prisons in india regulated do states have their own prison manuals or is there a common manual for all states to follow well so far as the regulation of prisons is concerned i think there are several acts like the prison act prisoners act prisoners identification act temporary release of prisoners act and so on but day to day functioning of the prisons is largely governed by the prison manuals which are very old and there is no common prison manual as such for the whole of the country in 2016 one model prison manual has been suggested and prisons being a state subject most of the states have their own prison manuals few states that have adopted the model prison manual and tailored it to suit the local requirements i think this manual is far too elaborate one and you know one size fits all it doesn't happen so far as the governance or the management of the prisons is concerned there are a number of things which need to be incorporated or deleted from the model prison manual but the fact is that this model prison manual has not been adopted by large number of states professor kannam so we know that all states have their own manuals and these are outdated manuals and as mr goel said the model prison manual doesn't seem to be working either would you like to comment on this yes most of the states have their own manuals at least for the past 15 years they have been changing from time to time as and when the high courts or supreme courts are specifically commenting on unacceptable acts of prison manuals but at the same time these manuals also contain lot of rules that are not being implemented but they still remain colonial vintage like a whipping have not been removed in most of the states they still indicate the colonial influence but many states have tried to revamp these manuals at the state level but the process is very slow at least in andhra pradesh i can tell you it was initiated in 2004 and it was not accepted and again second time 5 years back it was proposed but still it remains with the law department so as far as revising prison manuals as per model prison manual is concerned the progress is very very slow and they are not going anywhere there are several reasons for uh, uh, completely revamping these manuals as per uh, model prison manual uh, well, i had sure 
you know himachal pradesh it took us 5 years to convince our home department that we are not taking away any of the powers of the district magistrate or bureaucracy by implementing this model prison act there was a huge suspicion they didn't have any qualms about the clauses of the manual then i sat down with the home secretary i said you tell me are you afraid that your power is being taken away he smiled i said okay let's touch those things let's amend wherever you think district magistrate needs to have his say i'll do it but i want the larger good to prevail this manual needs to be accepted and after 5 years we were able to do it the second thing about the manual is it brings so much of economic burden on the home department at least we have to know how many more crores are going to be pumped into the prison department without any return on investment so this delays the whole implementation of the manual and no other reason i could see in the last 5 years struggle in getting it approved so deep suspicion of what they don't know and also the fear that they'll have to allocate budgets or spend money on something that they don't know what the return will be professor yes, kanam you have some thoughts yes 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 actually i completely agree with uh, mr goel you know the prison manual specifies the standards of human resources and infrastructure for the management of prisons so the departments require to enhance human and financial resources to bring these standards for implementation but at the same time there are now planning and research wings within the prison departments which can forecast the requirements of prison for future and as mr goel said if we want to meet the standards of model prison manual after adopting them into the state manuals it requires a huge recruitment it also requires a huge financial outlays for which you know governments are not ready so therefore this is very very important reason for not adopting the model prison manual and another trend is uh, the states might adopt it but they may not do anything that also i have seen uh, many changes are included in the prison manual but the prisons are not you know, overhauled or revamped as per the standards because they will just remain as standards in the prison manual okay that's very interesting to hear is there a way forward from there what can be done to move the adoption not just the adoption like you've said professor karnam people have adopted but actually the implementation of some of the recommendations well it's not a lost case altogether <laughs> i can say that in 4 uh, years i was able to add 40% more staff in himachal pradesh you have to convince people problem that i have seen is why new prisons were not getting made why things were not moving is something to do with the prison leadership also i mean if you take interest if you meet people put your points across it happens the pace may be slow not to your liking but the change does take place so i think with persistence things will move things have moved I, i completely agree mr goel that you know in himachal pradesh one advantage you had is that you know your number of prisoners is less but at the same time it is your leadership similarly the leadership in 
Telangana also was very much convinced, especially Mr. VK Singh was very much convinced about what needs to be done. He has done everything within his power to convince the government. When government was not convinced, he was able to generate resources for the department. But my own feeling is uh, in the majority of the states that the leaders of the present department are just uh, in charge while they have full-time job in the police department. In the adversarial system of criminal justice system that we have, the police, when they head the department, they look at the whole issue from the perspective of the victims. And yeah, that uh, completely colors the quality of work. Therefore, my view is that most of the prison leaders, prison uh, DGPs, were, were themselves were not convinced about the kind of quality of work required for the management of the huge uh, mass of uh, people that we incarcerate, for instance, uh, Per year, we are incarcerating some 18 lakh people. I don't think even at the level of BPR and also, we have planning and a research wing, which actually forecasts how much of human resources, how much of financial resources are required for the coming 10 years in order to meet the demands of the criminal justice system. That's one issue. But I feel that you know, since 80% of prisoners are under trial prisoners, if that burden is not there on the prison department, then I think within the existing resources also, most of the prison management may be able to give a quality of life for prisoners. But I think the large chunk of resource and energies of the department is going towards management of the undertrial prisoners. Uh, for, for whom you can't take up any you know, reformative activities. This is very interesting, Professor Karnam. Both you and Mr. Goel have alluded to the leadership and their initiative or lack of it. And so from there, we segue very neatly into this question on staff and how are staff in prisons recruited? And are there any necessary qualifications required to recruit staff in prisons? You know, like you have the IPAS and you have the IAS or you have the IFS. Well, you see, to give an example of Himachal and uh, North India, the recruitment in prisons is done at two levels. One is at the warder level, equivalent to a constable. And the other is at the level of assistant superintendent of jail. So that is the officer cadre. For warders, you need 12 plus. Uh, and for assistant superintendent of jail, the requirement is a degree. Even if we say that some qualifications are required, are there any universities training any graduates or undergrads in any programs in corrections where people could get education and make informed decisions about joining a particular service? So that is where we are caught. And qualifications, it is the same uh, militaristic standards uh, of measurements, of physical measurements, physical fitness tests and small written uh, tests. That's about it. The more important thing is whatever human resource you induct, how you mold it, that is more important. I think we'll touch upon it later. Yeah. Professor Kanna? Yes, see, in Andhra Pradesh, in Tamil Nadu, even in Kerala also, I see that especially the officer cadre are recruited as part of state uh, civil service. And uh, for most of the people who enter into prison service at a deputy jailer or assistant superintendent level, 
Uh, prison service has never been a preferred service for them. It's not preferred among the revenue, police, and the fire services. At the same time, at the lower level, the qualifications of the staff are also increasing over a period of time. For instance, postgraduates are entering into even border level positions also. While uh, this is a very positive development, that they will be able to manage prisoners better than the semi-literate waters for uh, Easter years. It also implies these lower-level employees join the department only as a stopgap and results in heavy turnout in the department. Unless there is a clear-cut opportunities for promotions and job satisfactions are spelled out well in advance, uh, then only they will be able to get people who are highly motivated and choose the prison service as a choice. But I agree with Mr. Goyal that it's a failure of universities which are not able to cater to the needs of this very important part of the criminal justice system, that is prisons, that they are not clearly designing, bearing one or two degrees. Over the past two episodes, we've referenced the lack of motivation and the lack of interest amongst those who are recruited being in the prison system. But those who are there, for example, the warders, how are they promoted? How do they move up the ranks or do not move up the ranks? What are the reasons for it? Promotions are natural when they join the service. Say, warder can superannuate as an officer. A warder goes on to become head warders. The promotion, career progression is provided in every service. And it may not be as lucrative or as fast as in the police because the department strength is very less in the prisons. So the opportunities would also be lesser. But they are promoted. All the people who need to be promoted under the non-gazetted ranks is done by the DG prisons himself. And there is no delay there unless there are some court cases but when the nature of the rank changes from non-gazetted to gazetted then it goes to the state public service commission and the home department that is where delay of maybe six months or a year sometimes it takes place but otherwise promotions in the cadre in the departments are not an issue, at least I ensured in Himachal Pradesh, that not even a single higher vacancy was left unfilled. See, way back in 1980, Mullah Committee report says that you know, there should be at least three promotions for every employee who joins the prison service at the lower level. My own experience in two states here is, at best they get one promotion, many times they don't get even that. And in some states like you know, West Bengal, wherever uh, there is a direct recruitment uh, uh, for uh, every level of cadre, the promotions are uh, very hard to come by. Because lower level cadre is directly recruited at deputy jailer level, deputy superintendent level, assistant superintendent level, jailer level, which actually forecloses the possibility of promotions for the people who enter at the lowest level. This is a very serious uh, demotivating factor. There is a high turnout, especially among the newly recruited with the higher qualifications in some states. This needs to be changed. So unless we uh, project clear uh, way forward about the promotions and opportunities, uh, it's difficult to motivate uh, prison officers to commit themselves for uh, the objectives of the prison reformation. 
We've spoken about recruitment and we've spoken about promotion. Professor Karnam, you alluded to the lack of universities providing training for the officers. So once recruited, what is the training process for the entrants? And where are the present training academies and who designs the training curriculum? And how regularly are staff provided with training courses? So far as the training is concerned, we can divide it into basic training and in-service training or the refresher training. Now, for the basic training, it is generally from nine months to one year. Uh, we in Himachal don't have a training center. We could not start it for want of uh, land available. The most important thing is that people are sent to training academies, training institutions, wherever these are. One is who decides the training curriculum. I have serious issues with the training curriculum that there is no research gone into devising a training curriculum for the correctional staff. All the warders, they are trained like a police constable. Well, some of the functions may be similar, but largely a warder is somebody who must be more empathetic than other people in uniform. What the job entails and what skill sets people need to have, like listening, empathy, these are completely missing from any syllabus devised by BPRND. And when I pointed it out to them, I said, why don't you see the training curriculum of some advanced countries, learn from them, devise our own curriculum, which is modern, which is in sync with the reform and rehabilitation ideas. But this is not happening. We are just churning out people in uniform who are insensitive, who are not motivated, and looking for better job opportunities in the police or somewhere else. Is anybody doing training of traders for the prison staff? I haven't come across one. It may be for PT and drill. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested only in the correctional activities. How to run industry, how to run welfare programs, how to make these agitated people comfortable in the four walls of their barracks. Does anybody provide any training to them? No. There is no curriculum. And... When I come to the refresher course, refresher training, most of the people go to ICAs or the Institute of Correctional Administration. We have three or CAPT in Bhopal. If you look at their calendar of training programs, I think more than 80% of the training programs are on subjects other than prison subjects or the correctional subjects. So the relevance of the correctional administration institutes is also questionable so far as I am concerned. I would like that what a prison official needs to learn about his job, about the skills, that is what a refresher course should be able to give him. Yeah. Professor Karnam? Yes, yes I completely agree with him because, uh, see, in most of the states, the syllabus for training of the lower level cadre is no different from that of the police constables at all. So even for the higher level cadre, there is no distinct syllabus. 
that marks them out as a reformers. Of course, in several states do not have even a training centers of their own. And I mean, in some states, I can say that you no know, low-level cadres are being trained by the police academies because there are no prison academies. Even where there exists, there are no fully trained academicians or researchers to teach the uh, syllabus that is related to objectives of the prison. And it is actually retired prison officers, of course, who bring a lot of practical, but very negative aspects of managing the prisons. So by and large, after first training at the time of joining, many prison officers never go for refresher courses due to a shortage of staff, uh, because relieving the staff for, for these trainings itself is the biggest problem. So only BPRND is trying to sponsor a few trainings occasionally, and for the first one year has taken up actually sponsoring preparation of training modules. But again, this responsibility was given to only the prison officers. Of course, they should be involved. There is no doubt about it. But along with them, the academicians who can bring fresh ideas about how to manage prisons should have been involved, but that did not happen. So there is completely a need for revamping the syllabus, and it's a high time that we should do that. Actually, training needs a complete overhaul. Analysis needs to be done by a third party, not by the prison officials, not by the retired people. I would say that a third party assessment of training needs must be done. And then the training curricula should be devised for different courses. For every promotion, like from warder, when a person becomes a head warder, his responsibilities change. There should be a module of four weeks or six weeks or whatever that should equip him to take on that responsibility. Those models are missing. Now, that needs to be done. And the sooner it is done, the better it would be. And unfortunately, research in corrections is virtually unheard of. I feel very sad. I had requested uh, NHRC and BPRND to commission two research projects in corrections. But unfortunately, none got approved. And uh, till we have a corrections commission, which has been recommended, which is independent of BPRND, the corrections and correctional activities, research, training, they will not be at par with the police or the paramilitaries. The corrections need to be separated from BPRND ASAP. This is so disappointing to hear. So not only are they not interested in being there, but they're also not provided with the required training that would enable them to do their job properly. Moving on, multiple oversight mechanisms have been instituted in India to ensure that prison conditions are monitored regularly and that the rights of prisoners are upheld. And the model prison manual also provides for the constitution of a board of visitors. What is it exactly and what does it do? And how is the board of visitors different from the non-official visitors? I think, again, the bureaucracy wants to be very tight-fisted in this. In my four years, I could not make the state government notify a single board of visitors. They have no will. They don't want to do it. Now, the model manual has further complicated it. Instead of leaving it 
at the table of the director general of prisons who is a very senior person and who is i think sensitive enough to notify the board of visitors once it is notified in the manual look at it the board of visitors that is now district magistrate or sdm in subdivisions district judge will be the chairman chief medical officer executive engineer pwd district inspector of schools education officer welfare officer agriculture officer now this board is supposed to meet once in a prison do you think all these people or the stars will conspire to provide a time slot for this meeting so why do such stupidities even in the manuals the district judge visits once in a month or maybe more let everybody's responsibilities be defined and let those people visit themselves without getting the state government involved we have to simplify the procedures we have to see what serves the corrections better now the non official members the non official members that we always chose or the state chose had no political affiliation this is the first time members of legislative assembly have been included in the non official members what for what value will they bring i would like to have people from social justice department visiting eminent members of some ngos social workers philanthropists like a nominee of state commission for women fine perfect but mlas what value do they bring except politicizing the prison setup and asking for favors for people from their constituencies sorry it is a very bad concept which needs to be dropped straight away that's a very powerful articulation professor karnam yes i mean see board of visitors and also non official visitors should be able to work as not only oversight mechanism but also the people who can bring a lot of other kinds of resources which are not available within the prison it could be financial it can be psychological counseling it could be work as a kind of a pressure group on the state government to see that prisons are run on the standards provided in the law but civil society is not so sympathetic to be part of this neither government is willing to appoint people the people who are appointed never know that they are appointed they never visit and the prison manual clearly says what are their responsibilities at least for non official visitors they should be able to understand the conditions of prison and recommend what should be done and see that their recommendations are followed this is not happening so how to make this happen i think i see that there are a lot of people who are interested in prisons in the past 10 years there researchers and also some ngos are also seriously paying attention and they can be roped in and they should be appointed there is a lengthy process of appointing these people therefore they are not being done so it should be simplified i agree with mr noel that you know prison chief should be able to appoint them and they should be able to give independent reports or there are other models like in south africa where government advertises calls for applications people are appointed for one year and they are paid some honorarium they are completely independent of government and they give reports and see that their government is answerable to the legislature the way that prisons are being run 
So moving on, in our last episode, we discussed the under-trial review committees and their role in releasing inmates. How often are they supposed to meet? And why do you think states are reluctant to adhere to these mechanisms? Mr. Goyal? Well, yeah, the states will have different experiences. But I must say that the provision of Section 436A of the CRPC is a wonderful provision where anybody who has undergone 50% of the maximum punishment provided for a particular offense for which the person is inside, I think he needs to be released on bail. In Himachal, I can say with pride that not a single person who has completed 50% of his incarceration that could have been awarded is inside the prisons. Now, there are certain states where these meetings are not taking place regularly or the number is so large of under trials, it's quite worrisome that the number of under trials, which used to be two-thirds and one-third, has now increased to about 73% under trial population is there in the country now. Earlier, it used to be about 67 or 68%. Now, with a large number of under trials, the judiciary must take the responsibility. You know, the high court judges, they are administrative heads of districts. One high court judge is given one, two or three districts to supervise the functioning of these UTRCs. And the UTRC is headed invariably by the district judge. Now, if they start functioning, they start taking note of this issue, I think this problem will be sorted out and UTRCs will become more effective than they are in certain states. Professor Karnam, do you agree? Yes, yes, I agree that there are several uh, levels of review. Like uh, the escort for the local courts is 100% and escort for the neighboring state courts is actually 80% and escort for the neighboring state is 50% and protection of women in the uh, courts are uh, around 60% like this. So the law and order DG and uh, the police commissioner and the SLSA secretary, these people review and uh, ask every state SP of the district that you should improve the production percentage of prisoners. This was working very well. Now, after introduction of this video conferencing, I think now things are changing because they are produced before the video conferencing. And um, But uh, this is only for extension of uh, the court date, but not for trial. And it was working very well only on the reasons of financial uh, constraints. Now it has been reduced to you know, video conferencing. Otherwise, it was working very well. But still, the uh, under-trial prison population in Telangana is manageable. And uh, fairly, people get uh, bails. So their uh, percentage is coming down to 60% or so the recent past. So this committee works very well. Uh, it can at least address 20% of the problems of uh, the under-trial prisoners. Professor Karnam, how were improvements made in Telangana in such a short time? And can Telangana's success be sustained and can it be used as best practice in other states? One thing is, especially the prison conditions has improved enormously during the tenure of Mr. Vinaykumar Singh, precisely because he moved away from the approach of custody. He liberalized a lot of rules 
for transfer of prisoners to one prison to another prison, and he made life within the prisons much more tolerable. For instance, he ensured that every prison must have a, at least one full-time ambulance. He could hire doctors on contract basis. And this approach is that, you know, don't think about, you know, there is a malingering on the part of the prisoner to go to hospital. Whoever complains about his ill health, please take him to the hospital. As a result, the Telangana could reduce the number of deaths per year from 60 to 8, few years back. This is one indicator of the quality of you know, health services improved here. But that is because the prison department also could generate a lot of income. And it has nothing to do with the government itself. Because the department itself has generated a lot of money and which was used for the purpose of revamping infrastructure. And there is a collective functioning which was not seen earlier. Collective functioning in the sense, one prison superintendent is given responsibility of ensuring one specific aspect across the state. He's not just a prison officer for that prison. For instance, improving the prison structure. Mm. He, he would also recommend what should be done in other prisons. He would go there. And the prison superintendent of that prison can also go to all the prisons and see how health infrastructure can be improved. That kind of cross-learning and you know, collective functioning and collective responsibility if there is a death in the prison, all the prison officers are collectively responsible for that. So that collective work actually really created a lot of wonders here. But sustaining requires a lot of culturally, they should be able to imbibe such responsibilities. I don't know whether that can be sustained for a long time. But good thing is that there are a lot of young officers who have been recruited in the past 10 years who are really motivated, who are interested in engaging with prisoners, and they're very enthusiastic. But I'm not sure whether that can be replicated or sustained in other states, because the conditions of the human resources and their conditions and working patterns and prison rules are completely different in other states. One more interesting thing is, as a newly formed state, the entire state itself is very enthusiastic about bringing out a lot of changes in all the departments. And the political leadership also was very much interested. Of course, as far as prison is concerned, it was not as interested as in other departments, but still. And also Telangana is a fairly rich state, which could you know, give a lot of resources. So there are unique conditions which made this kind of success possible, but it is only physical infrastructure that improved. But improving the quality of life for prisoners and the attitude of prison officers itself, it will take a lot of time to happen that kind of change. In that respect, I don't think Telangana is too different from other states. Still, they have the approach of even the punishment, not just completely the reformative or rehabilitative approach. Mr. Goyal, do you have anything to add to this? I believe Telangana is said to have done a lot of good work. And uh, I mean, I'll be devil's uh, advocate. I'll say that in my four five years, I kept asking BPRND that will you measure it? Are there any yardsticks on which you will measure different states, or you will advise them what Telangana has done better than other states? How it has been done? What has been the approach? What has been the methodology? I think we need to commission a study on that. There is no doubt that a lot of good work has been done. 
It does not mean that the others have not done it in their own states. In Himachal, we didn't do a lot of things that others did. I mean, well, uh, yoga, vipassana and music therapies and whatever, these are good, maybe for awards and whatever. I was mentoring the one IIT graduate during his recess and we all did a study on Himachal prisons and we found that 46% of the prisoners, including the under trials, they are the sole breadwinners. And when we started looking at the agitated minds in the prisons, we found that these were the people. When I talked to a number of them, the worry at the back of their minds was what happens to the families. I would say that what Supreme Court says, are they non-persons? Yes, they continue to be non-persons once they are inside. Out of sight, out of mind. I think it applies to the prisoners more than anybody else. So what we started was that instead of any of these therapies, let us focus on creating livelihood opportunities for them. We did a talent mapping of all the prisoners in Himachal prisons. And we promised to them, my promise to everyone, my officers, and we decided that whosoever has any talent, we will provide him the tools to hone that and work in that department. With the result that Himachal paid the highest wages to inmates in the country. And we paid at the government-approved rates. And it was followed by Bihar. And we started a project called Har Hath Ko Kaam. Now, Har Hath Ko Kaam, there were several takeaways because of it. The financial health improved of the prisoners. The conflicts went down. And uh, their families were assured of some money. And this was not restricted only to men folk. The women were also included in it. They got work. And can you believe 6 to 7% of the total prison population in Himachal Pradesh today steps out of prison unescorted to work in industry and business establishment to earn their wages. So that is the kind of change I think we need to have. We need to understand what the prisoners want. It should not be what an NGO wants to do in the prison. The needs of the prisoners have to be at the center stage. That needs to be done. And I think for that, we did not depend on any government funds. We started with a small turnout of 15 lakhs, which went up to five crores in no time. And we set up dental clinics with our money. Every prison today has a path lab from our own money. We trained paramedic staff out of our borders by sending them to AICT approved training institutes because government was not supporting us by providing or sanctioning staff, but the prisoners needed these facilities. So we created that. Men and women of the prison department were trained as paramedics to support the prison populations. I think we can discuss this on and on. Some very interesting points about treating prisoners in a humane manner and keeping them at the center of any design and not coming in from the outside, like you mentioned. So we're nearly at the last question. Just before you go on that, really, I mean, the uh, Himachal is the only state where uh, 
their orders are trained as pharmacists as paramedical staff i mean that tells a lot about what needs to be done i mean if you are a warder and still you are trained as a paramedical then you are no longer just a custodian i agree completely that in terms of payment of the wages himachal pradesh is far ahead of all other states including telangana but in telangana for the released prisoners the department was able to create good opportunities for not the prisoners in the sense prisoners paid only just 100 rupees in telangana whereas in himachal pradesh they paid 328 rupees which is a minimum wage and himachal uh, pradesh high court has given a very good judgment i remember on the whole higher judiciary is very reluctant to apply minimum wages to the prisoners in comparison with telangana one thing i can say about himachal pradesh is the quality of the work the, the quality of prison products the quality of the skills given to prisoners are far better because it's taken very seriously but there it is 2500 prisoners therefore uh, it was also possible but in other states are given some 10000 15000 20000 in telangana it's 7000 prisoners but it's a little quantitative but the kind of work that is done in himachal pradesh is definitely very qualitative there is no doubt about it professor my limitation was less numbers if i had 10000 my turnover would be 100 crores <laughs> well another thing i would like to share uh, with all of you is that instead of this payment of wage regime i moved away from that to create entrepreneurs out of all the prisoners like people working in a bakery i said you are the owners yes so i am a co-owner so we will share profits instead of just paying you wages mm. so we fix a profit for them total expenditure and the whatever profit is there this much will come to the prison and the buck stops with the dg it is not like the committee that telangana has and the punjab has which does not meet for 3 to 4 years so now they are entrepreneurs they think that they are running the show they call the shots and their motivation working in whether it's a handloom unit or a garment factory or carpentry or whatever motivation level is totally different from earning wages very heartening to hear maya do you have any thoughts really very very interesting thank you and i'll come back to mr goel on the himachal stuff later but right now i'd i'd like to know two things one is mr goel you yourself are a police officer right and you still managed to do a great deal and so did the gentleman in telangana he also was from the police but leaving out the exceptional individual and going to institutional sustainability what are the advantages and disadvantages to having a separate cadre you don't come from being a policeman to supervising prisons and then you come only for a little time and you come because you've been sidelined or you come because of some other reason which is not always the best reason for being at the top of a whole state's prisons so that was one thing in my mind to ask and the other thing is the question that sudha asked right at the beginning that if you had five practical suggestions for making prison conditions better and the prison administration better what would the five top priorities be one of them i can certainly see is using the 
manpower resources of these poor prisoners who were just thrown in there and left to their own devices and making them, turning them into some useful capacity which helps everybody, mostly themselves, their families, and the prison administration. That's one, I can certainly see that. But in the same vein, are there three or four others that immediately would help to change the environment? Right. Uh, so far as the sustainability is concerned, I have interacted uh, a lot with my officers. And I have been telling them, see, you are the real officers of the department. People like me are deputationists. We will come for a couple of years. So you are the people who need to take up the cause of reform in the prisons. Now, I'm very glad that the two people from the IPS who have gone to the Himachal prisons after me, they are continuing with that. The prisons department is so small that the promotional issues and this subculture of the department from the prison so limited that getting newer ideas in the prison will become a virtual impossibility as I see for small cadres like Himachal Pradesh. So getting some deputationists is not a bad idea. That's one. And so far as the practical suggestions for uh, making prisons effective, I think one, let's start with the government of India. I think the role of the Home Secretary ends when he appends his signatures to the annual prison report. Beyond that, he doesn't bother about the prison department. There is not even a dedicated joint secretary in the whole Home Ministry for corrections. This needs to change. And the other people in the ministry, they keep on looking for foreign joints than visiting the prisons in the states to understand the prison structure. So this thing at the MHA level needs to change. Then BPRD, as I mentioned, there has to be a corrections commission which has been recommended. Independent corrections commission which should look after all the aspects including training, manpower, research, and modernization of prisons in the country. That has to be brought in. The number three very important thing is that the corrections department, you know, a lot of governmental control needs to go. When I was retiring, I don't want to mention, but the home minister asked me, I must thank you for that. I said, that is why I want to thank you that you didn't interfere and I could deliver so much. So the bureaucratic control over the prisons, there should be oversight. A very effective oversight mechanism must be there of the judiciary. You cannot have multiple controls over the prisons. So I think uh, more financial powers to the chief of the prisons and avoiding committees and boards like what Punjab has done or Telangana has done and other states have done where they are dependent on the home minister for everything and it gets delayed. That has to be cut out. Then the training 
I think training is something which can be changed very fast. In a year's time, new curricula can be introduced and change in the attitudes of the personnel, their outlook can be started in a major way. Lastly, I would say that right now, you cannot take work from the under trials, but we ask them to volunteer. Whosoever wants to work in any of the factories, we allow them to work. We are not excluding them from that. I think this change needs to be there that whether a person is inside for two months, three months, six months or a year, he should also be allowed to work inside. And lastly, I would say when this PIL, which you have also mentioned in your document, when Supreme Court was looking after this, it was getting better results, better response from the states. Two years ago or three years ago, they gave it to the high courts to monitor. Believe me, you, nothing has happened. High courts have completely forgotten about it. Only a couple of days ago, one eminent lawyer from Simla, who has been amicus now in this case, he called me up. Otherwise, nothing has been moving. I mean, instead of going for low-hanging fruits, judiciary will have to, I think, go in for major reforms to make it functional. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Sure. The boards of visitors, as you said, is an old mechanism and the NOV is a part of it. One of the reasons why NOVs are not appointed is because, as you say, the names are given by the district administration, then they go up to the minister. The minister either sits over it or he wants his own people appointed. And it's all become a great mess. I can say this from my experience in Rajasthan. And as a result, the BOV itself, which is the officials plus the NOVs, is almost never constituted. And if constituted, just dies on the wing. Now, would it be an idea to combine what you said which is insisting that each of these individuals come and visit the prison and are given operational responsibility for improving their own, the PWD, their own, the food, their own, the engineer, their own area of work, and have the NOVs appointed by the, by the judiciary. Would that work? Because there needs to be some outside connection to the local population with the prisons. You see, again, what you are saying, uh, I would say judiciary is so much burdened with so many cases. Why involve them in the day-to-day -day administration? They should not. It is not their job. I mean, why would you trust a home secretary and not the chief of prisons? I would like to use the NOVs and BOVs as my intelligence agency, I have been advocating that all prison department must have an intelligence wing also, because after all, it's a subsystem, it works as its own ways. So if he appoints, after all, any NGO that wants to work in the prisons, goes through the chief of prisons, and there is nobody better than the chief of prisons to know 
who are people in the state who are well meaning people in the state who will be able to contribute as visitors so i think i would again say that if this responsibility is given to the chief of the correctional administration that would make uh, it more effective professor do you have anything to add i would add to the list of things that should be done one is that the recruitment for the prison services should be taken far more seriously than what it is done now we should see what is the purpose of this whole service and whether people are interested in this kind of service or is it just another job it can't be like any other kind of government job that's one thing that one should have serious attention to the other thing is in this age of peer liberalization and market determining everything i think at least a small entrepreneur should be allowed to create work to enter into prisons and you know create work for the prisoners but at the same time they should be paid a decent wages at least uh, if not profits like in uh, himachal pradesh otherwise prisons can be used for the purpose of making profits for the private entrepreneurs that can also happen so creating work creating wages and some remuneration will ease the anxieties of the prisoners even if they are under trials that's right as as of now i mean only 10% of the convicts are provided work in most of the states creating work for every hand in the prison will definitely ease the management of prison per se because everybody is busy so there won't be any mischief and it works like a factory or some kind of industry then that will create very healthy atmosphere in the prison financially as well as mentally and also the way that manage the time but otherwise what is happening is you know counting in the morning counting in the afternoon counting in the evening that creates a very depressive prison atmosphere so i feel creating work for everybody should be the top of the agenda for prison reformation okay so with that we come to the end of this episode of the podcast and i'd like to thank mr goyal and uh, professor kadam sharing all their experience and all the knowledge that you've gathered over the years it's been really insightful and of course this is a huge task there's lots of things to be done before we get to where the prison system is more humane and prisoners are at the center of the entire design thank you very much for making time for this conversation thank you maya thank you vale we'll see you soon again at some point hopefully thank you thank so much. thank you thank you for joining us for this episode of the elephant in the room podcast brought to you by the purpose room in partnership with the india justice report don't forget to subscribe to the show and if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today don't forget to write a review and tell your friends thank you